We are three weeks away from the MLB draft. Let's catch everybody up on the biggest storylines and important information that you need to know. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And you're going to love this. Today's episode is brought to you by the Sports Card Investor app. Welcome to the world of trading cards reimagined. Stay tuned later in the show for more information on this awesome new tool for collectors. You're going to want to check out the Sports Card Investor app. So, MLB Draft is going to start July 17th, 7 p.m. Eastern. Three days, uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Like I said, Sunday is 7 p.m. First two rounds live. Uh, July 18th, Monday starts at 2 p.m. July 19th also starts at 2 p.m. being held in L.A. Uh, Really interesting kind of things here as far as what we're looking at in this draft. The big storyline to start off with you know, not counting what I mentioned yesterday with the Kumar Rocker and the NIL, is who's on the short list to go number one. So there's about five players. This report from Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline. Jim Callis has narrowed it down to about five different players who are a possibility to be that number one overall pick. Four of them are high schoolers. So outfielder Drew Jones, outfielder Elijah Green. Those are uh, two of the... possibilities. Shortstop Jackson Holiday. Um, high school second baseman Tamar Johnson. I'll explain that in a minute. And then Cal Poly shortstop Brooks Lee. So they're kind of in there. Uh, that's the group that's being considered. There's a couple other top guys in this class. Uh, Cam Collier, things like that. Not part of that focus as of now, according to Jim Callis. They've narrowed it down to those five guys. And obviously, pros and cons with every single one. Uh, Jones and Holiday have the bloodlines. I want to get to that in just a minute. Outfielder Elijah Green. Some people believe he's the best prospect in this draft. So they actually think, I mean, they, they think he's the number one prospect over Drew Jones. I think both of these guys are outfielders that can add a ton of value to your organization. So uh, definitely have stuff there. Brooks Lee, to me, is a guy a little bit underrated. Fantastic hit tool. His dad's the coach at Cal Poly, so that's part of the reason why why he went there. But um, hit, I mean, just has hit the entire time he's been there. 342 as a redshirt freshman, went to the Cape. 405, 432, 677. Went to the uh, USA Baseball National Team, hit 357, 15 homers, and 1125 OPS. Like, Brooks Lee is a very, very good hitter. Uh, Switch hitter, I think he's better from the left-hand side than the right. But very, very good um, strike, uh, strike zone discipline. And I think that he's one of the guys that you probably would get at a discount. so he's he's the the choice if the Orioles do what they've done in previous drafts and try to go a little bit under slot with that first pick to save the bonus money because they have 
by far the biggest draft pool because of that number one overall pick. So the Orioles draft pool is $16.9 million. Uh, now these range the way that, just quick reminder the way the draft pools work they take the value of your all of your draft picks in the top 10 rounds they all have a slot value you add those up that's your draft pool you can't exceed the pool by more than five percent without paying a penalty there are teams that regularly do that regularly go over um, Cubs are one of those teams they usually go over just under that five percent once you break that 5%, uh, it is significantly more expensive. I have a show out there from about a month ago where I say the Mets should just go in and should just destroy the draft pool. They should go significantly over, take the one year of penalties to go get seven or eight first round talents in the draft. Like they should just go find as many kids as they can buy out as they can. Uh, You know, and... And if you're gonna if you're gonna go over the draft pool, uh, blow it out of the water. Don't don't a little bit go over. Nobody does. Nobody goes over that five percent um, window there. But again, just absolutely destroy it. The Cubs, uh, sorry, the uh, the Mets could do that. I've got a show a couple weeks ago where we talk about the Mets doing that. Go find it. It's really interesting. Listen, a lot of Mets fans think I wasn't extreme enough in that. And they're like, no, let's just go sign 30 first-round talents. So, interesting thing there. But something that I want to mention, a common theme behind two of these top players, three of the top players, really, um, and then four first-rounders, is they're all the kids of former MLB players. I tried to sort them by order of how good their dads were here. So, Drew Jones, his father, was uh, Braves outfielder Andrew Jones who's considered to be one of, if not the best, defensive center fielder of all time. Uh, Jackson Holliday, his father, Matt Holliday. Justin Crawford, uh, prep prep draftee, his his father, Carl Crawford. And then Cam Collier, his dad, Lou Collier, was a seven-year utility man in MLB. And so there's a thought process that if you are that... Like it's a good thing to have all of these kids of MLB players because obviously it means that they're going to be good MLB players when they get there. And I don't necessarily think that you can make a blanket statement and say that because their dad was an MLB player, they're going to be an MLB player automatically. But I found a really interesting interview, and I'll link this in the show notes. I found a really interesting interview. Uh, that Northside Bound, a Cubs blog, had with Cubs VP Dan Kantrovitz, who in essence is who runs the draft. I mean, he's the vice president of scouting, so he in essence runs the draft for the Cubs. And they, they had an interesting conversation, and they touched on this. And in essence, uh, what, I'm just going to call him Dan instead of Kantrovitz, what Dan said was, it's a complicated question, and you can't automatically look at the fact their dad was a pro to figure out they're going to have success. But what you can do is you can look at when they come from a family with that kind of athletic success, you feel like you may be able to get more encouraging outcomes for that player compared to their peers. Uh, it could have been an advantageous childhood 
from a skill development standpoint because they had an opportunity to be around big leaguers in a clubhouse at a young age, modeling the behavior of these professional baseball players. Uh, So really interesting thing there, uh, interesting aspect. And then he talks about um, the physical projections, how you can look at the physical projections of these players. And part of it is you can look at their parents, you can look at their dads and what their dads did, but then also understanding that because they have that athletic background in the family, they probably had a focus on athletics and physical fitness from a young age. And so there's actually a question about how much physical projection they may still have remaining. You know, like on average, they're going to be more farther along in their physical development than their peers because they've been around a person who had ostensibly a very high level of physical fitness because they were professional baseball players. So really interesting article. They dig into a lot of stuff about about the draft, about um, the value of pre-draft workouts, things like that. I will absolutely link that in the show notes below. Go read it. It's a free piece. It's really good. Came out uh, came out about a week and a half ago. I didn't find it until until just doing prep for this. So we'll go check we'll go check that out in just a minute. I want to address some of the pitchers and how we might set a draft record, but a bad one when it comes to pitchers in the top ten. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Sports Card Investor. Welcome to the world of Sports Card Reimagined. Uh, Sports Card Investor app is the most powerful resource if you are a sports card collector. You can quickly check the value of your favorite cards, find great deals, and profit from the hobby you love. It's available completely free in the Google Play and Apple App Stores, uh, and it is a must-have for baseball fans. So what's really cool about this? Like, if you just like collecting the cards, okay, you can go in there, you can look up individual cards, you can look up packs of releases, you can see when the cards came out, you can see what all is in there. Um, if you, if you collect them because you enjoy the nostalgia and the players of your childhood, really easy to go back in there, pull those cards, see what they're worth today. Uh, what I find really, really interesting about sports card investor is when I'm looking at prospect valuations and I'm trying to figure out how do I move this prospect? Where am I moving this prospect? Uh, maybe it's the, it's the top shortstops piece that we did last week and got a lot of great feedback on that. Thank you guys for sending the feedback in. I think I did have Khalil Watson a bit too high uh, with his strikeout rate. I don't think I quite realized how high the strikeout rate was, but you can go in the sports card investor app and you can go and you can find the cards for the prospects and you can watch in real time as the values go up and down based on how well they're doing in the minors how likely they are to debut. It's really interesting. And so if you're someone who stays on top of the news, on top of what's happening with prospects, you know as soon as a guy is called up, if you wanted to try to make money off of this, you could go in there and use the free sports card investor app to check the prices, buy their cards before they go up in value. So if we have a guy who's going to, I'm going to talk about as like a breakout prospect, odds are his card is going to go up in value once everybody is turned on to how good he is. And then it'll have another jump once he debuts. 
And so you can go in and if you're just trying to make some money, you can buy the card before he debuts. And then if you wanted to make some money, turn around and flip it later or just buy it and keep it because it's a cool thing to do. So download the Sports Card Investor app today. It's available for, for free in the Google Play and Apple App Stores or go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. There's a, there was a LinkedIn ad yesterday and I got that mixed up. Okay, so um, we might set a record in this draft and it's not a good one. So we have never had... Since 1965, when the MLB draft was instituted, we have never had a draft where there was no pitcher in the top 10. The closest that we came was 2019. So 2019, Nick Lodolo from TCU, the lefty, was drafted at number seven by the Reds. And then after that, the next guy drafted, the next pitcher drafted, I think was number 11. There's been a few drafts where, where this probably should have happened. Nobody should have gone inside the top 10. So 2015, uh, there were three pitchers taken in the top 10. And I don't think any of them actually made MLB. So Dylan Tate was the fourth overall pick, went to the Rangers. Tyler J was the sixth overall pick, went to the Minnesota Twins. And Carson Fulmer was the eighth overall pick, went to the White Sox. I don't think any of them made it to MLB. Fact check me. If you know if those any of those three guys made it to MLB, uh, if you're on YouTube, leave it in the comments below. If you're, uh, if you're listening on audio, you can tweet at me, um, at LockedOnFarm on Twitter. Let us know if I got that wrong or if you can think of any other bigger, you know, like other drafts where every top 10 pitcher ended up not working out. Uh, so the guy that we're looking at, I think probably the first one off the board as far as pitchers is going to be high, uh, prep righty Brock Porter. Uh, not quite sure where he's going to land. There's a chance the Royals take him at nine. Um, I think we may end up having to wait until the Mets pick at 11 to get the first pitcher off the board. And there's a reason that... We don't have that. So uh, number one reason is the injury to Dylan Lesko. So Dylan Lesko, 6'2 righty, prep pitcher. There was conversation when the spring started that he could go number one overall. And I mean, he was, uh, he fastballed at hit 97. And to go with that fastball, he had, I'm going to call it a double plus changeup. I mean, uh, changeup that was, it's elite, one of the best off-speed pitches in the draft. Would have probably been a top 10 changeup in the minor leagues from day one. Well, elbow injury in April, he had Tommy John surgery, uh, and so he's going to fall. Now, I'm not saying that just because he had Tommy John, he's not going to work out. There's a, there's a list of guys in the last decade who got injured were still drafted in the first round and went on to be successful in MLB. Cal Quantrill was a number eight pick in 2016. He's a big leaguer right now. Lucas Giolito, number 16 pick in 2012. He obviously worked out. Walker Bueller, number 24 overall pick in 2015. He's worked out. So just because Lesko got hurt doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to work out now, but 
I don't think he's going to go in that top 10. He's probably going to be a middle to late first rounder. Uh, I like him for the Padres. I think that's a place he might end up going. Uh, just because they've done that before. I mean, I, I think it was I think it was Quantrill actually. Like they've taken a, an, an injured prep pitcher before, uh, so I think he might go there. I think the Mets having two of those picks, they may decide one. You know, whether it's eleven or fourteen, they may decide to take him there. But then you look at the college pitchers, and I know we've touched on this quite a bit. But you look at some of the college pitchers who either miss the entire season or miss some time during the season for various reasons. And I'm not counting Kumar Rocker in that. Obviously, Kumar Rocker. After the whole thing with the draft last year, didn't get drafted, uh, didn't pitch at all this spring until the Frontier League. If you want an update on how he's looking in the Frontier League, go check out yesterday's show. The second segment talks about Kumar Rocker and Carson Wisenhunt and Indy Ball. But just some of the college arms that were seen as first rounders who didn't pitch at all this spring or missed a significant time. Landon Sims from Mississippi State, one of the key guys to their World Series run. Uh, Tommy John out for the entire year. Peyton Paulette from Arkansas. Arkansas uh, just could not quite outlast Ole Miss to make the College World Series final. And you have to think that if they had Peyton Paulette, some of that would have looked a little bit different. They probably would have forced uh, would have forced a second game against Ole Miss if they had him to throw. Connor Prelip from Alabama. He had his injury early enough last year where he was able to rehab, and he actually threw a bullpen. Uh, the day before the SEC tournament, and then he was able to go back and, uh, and, and throw at the draft combine. Looks pretty good. Looks, I mean, looks like he's recovering well from Tommy John. Some of the stuff has started to come back, the off-speed breaking stuff, the velo all takes a little while to get back after Tommy John. But I think that he's at least secured himself back as a first-round guy. Later in the first round, but a first-round guy because he's mostly healed from the Tommy John. And then you've got a bunch of uh, pitchers who miss some time for various reasons. Uh, a Blade Tidwell for Tennessee. Took him a while to make it back for Tennessee. Uh, was pretty useful for them in the stretch run. They just kind of fizzled out before they made it to Omaha for the College World Series. We already mentioned Carson Whitsonhunt. Um Eastern Carolina suspended for the entire year due to a banned substance. Uh, I believe the NCAA said it was steroids. He said it was a tainted supplement. Either way, he missed a bunch of time. Will probably still go high. Don't know if he'll be a first rounder. Don't know if he'll be in in the supplemental round or in the second. But not going to be in that top 10. Jonathan Cannon of Georgia, a guy that there was conversation if he had a good uh, final year he could move up into that top 10, missed some time during the season, struggled at times, and so just was not able to, to be the guy uh, that everybody thought he would all season. And so now we really run the risk of not having a pitcher in that top 10. Again, your best bet is probably going to be Brock Porter. And I think in our draft, the one that uh, it was maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago on a Tuesday, uh, me and Jeff Ellis of Locked On Guardians, I, we had Brock Porter going in the first round. We didn't have him in the top 10. I don't think we had a top 10 pitcher either. So I think the first pitcher we had was the Angels pick. And we gave them the, the Gonzaga pitcher. So definitely go check that out. In just a minute, I want to get to some of the best tools and the most unique players in this draft. 
But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Blue Nile. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. So if you want to build the engagement ring of her dreams, Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, clarity, and setting style. And then Blue Nile's bench jewelers will handcraft her perfect engagement ring. And each ring is one of a kind. If you just want to celebrate life's special moments with fine jewelry, but you're having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. You can uh, call them, you can chat with them online, but they can help you find a memorable gift at every single budget. So make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. Locked on MLB listeners get $50 off a purchase of $500 or more, and this podcast exclusive includes engagement. So use code Locked On. That's code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that will not give away what is inside. So shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. There are so many makes and models of cars that it is impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock the parts that you need. So they're going to ask you all kinds of questions. Is it an LX or an EX? Is it a Sport? Does it have this package or that package or whatever? And then they're going to walk into the back half of the, of, of the store where the lights are never on. There's just all those, you know, 50-foot high shelves full of stuff. And they're going to walk through, and they're going to come out front, and they're going to order the part off the computer for you anyway. If they're going to do that, just go to rockauto.com. You have a computer at home. You have a, a computer in your pocket. Save time and money and use the convenience of Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business. It's been serving DIYers for over 20 years with reliably low prices for every single customer and an easy-to-use website to find the solution for your auto part needs. You go to the website, you put in the info for your vehicle, and it pops up and shows you every part that they carry broken down by category for your vehicle. If there's more information that they need, like say you want to get touch-up paint, purchase I actually had to make for my wife's minivan. Uh, it shows you, okay, th- like if you know, here's the names of the colors. If you don't know which one you have, this is the exact place on the sticker where you can get the code. You give us the code and we'll t- show you exactly what you need. I did that and they're like, boom, here's your touch-up kit. It's got uh, the, the cleaner, it's got the paint, it's got the sealant, it's got everything you need all in one, done. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Okay, so some of the best tools in this draft. I kind of want to touch on some of these things. Um, Andrew Jones. I'm sorry, Drew Jones, the son of Andrew Jones, is considered to have the best defense in this draft. He, I mean, he's seen as having five above average to plus tools, but he's seen as being the best defender in this entire draft class, which makes sense. His father, like I mentioned at the top, uh, one of, if not the best defensive outfielder of all time. And so I absolutely understand that. Justin Crawford, um, son of Carl Crawford, is seen as having some of the best speed in this entire draft. So that's great. Kind of going through Tamar Johnson. So I mentioned Tamar Johnson at the top, and I called him a second baseman. And 
a lot of people are kind of confused why a second baseman would be the number one overall pick versus a shortstop. And there's a couple reasons. So one is he's he, he's reported to have the lowest bonus demands of the five. So if the Orioles were looking to go under slot with that, they would either go after a Tamar Johnson or a Brooks Lee to save money to pick up some more guys somewhere later. But he's, uh, a, just a recap of some of the scouting reports that you've, we've seen on Tamar Johnson. Baseball America said that he was one of the most advanced pure hitters to come out of high school since probably Joe Maurer in 2001. MLB.com graded his hit tool right now, not future value, right now his hit tool was a 70 grade, said that he may be the best pure prep hitter in decades. And the comp that they gave, and they caveated this with saying that it was from an MLB scout. It wasn't their comp. The MLB scouts comp. But um, the MLB scouts said he has a combination of the plate discipline of Wade Boggs, Hall of Famer, and the bat-to-ball skills of Vladimir Guerrero Sr., also a Hall of Famer, who has a son who is also doing amazing in baseball. So I know it sounds like you combine all of that, and he should be a lock to go number one overall. There's a couple reasons why he's not. So one, he's technically a shortstop, but the consensus, again, the prospect apparatus I talk about, The consensus is that his defensive limitations are going to make him have to move to second base. So not going to drop him out of the top five. He's still the best, you know, pure hitter in the class. And again, what people might think is a generational talent with the bat. But something where a team at the very top at one or two may decide, well, we're not going to take him first because. He's not even going to play, be able to play short for us. He'll be at second. And then there's a there's kind of kind of a consensus here that there's not a lot of room to continue to develop physically. He's 5'10", 175. Um, good frame. All the reports are. I mean, he's got he's got good weight. You know, decent muscle, things like that. But that he doesn't have a lot of room to add more. And so because of that, it's hard to project the power as increasing. So that's a situation where it's like okay. You're probably, you feel like you're going to cap a bit when it comes to, um, when it comes to how much his power can develop, um, simply because of that. I do think some of the best power in the draft is going to be 2022 Golden Spikes winner Ivan Melendez. So University of Texas first baseman, 6'3", 225, and... This year, he hit 387, 508, 863. So that's a 1371 OPS. Not bad. Uh, hit 32 home runs, single season t- Texas record, led all of Division I, 94 RBIs in 67 games. He homered once every 7.8 at bat. So he homered essentially every other game for the entire season, had more walks than strikeouts. 52 walks, 51 strikeouts. Um, He's not necessarily seen as a first-round pick. So he's 22 years old already. So remember, we talked a couple weeks ago about how age factors into this. 
And when you put him into a ball, he's going to be old for the level. So already 22 years old. Um, and then the right-handed first baseman profile is risky. And guys like Pete Alonso have worked out. But for every guy that has worked out, there's a dozen of them who don't necessarily work out. Um, so little bit of risk there, little bit of defensive limitation. If he's at first base in college, he's probably not going to be able to move off of that and play a more premium defensive position in the bigs. So that's going to kind of push him back. I think if he goes day two, he'll probably end up being a steal for somebody, you know, and he'll end up being a lot better than people expect. It's just, there is some risk there. Um, the best fastball in the draft, uh, if you haven't been following Pitching Ninja this season, you've pro- you, have, you still had to see it somewhere, but it's been all over Pitching Ninja. Ben Joyce. So, uh, Texas relief pitcher, 6'5", 225, righty, two two three ERA, 53 strikeouts, and 32 and a third innings. Um, now, little bit of red flags here, and that's why he's not going to be a first-rounder. Is One, he's seen as being a reliever versus a starter, and you just don't take relievers in the first round. That's not how it works. Relievers are third, fourth, fifth, that kind of thing. And he, he's somewhere around, um, he's somewhere around, I think, fourth round. Uh, he's had injuries in college, a bunch of injuries in college, and so he doesn't have a ton of actual pitching experience. Uh, he got a chance to start a game or two this season for Tennessee. They tried to make sure that all their relievers had some experience starting and their starters had experience relieving so that they would be well-suited for the uh, College World Series and the demands of playing that many games in a week, and then they didn't make it. <laughs> but um, still kind of seen as a reliever versus a starter. And then they were very careful with him because of those injuries. He didn't pitch on back-to-back days. They limited his innings. I mean, he only threw, like I said, 32 innings on the season. So, best fastball in the draft, best velo in the draft. I mean, he hit 105. Like, I was, like, he he pitching against Auburn, he hit 105 on the gun. It's insane. But, still some risk there. So, I think he's, I don't think he'll get called on day one. He's probably a day two guy. But absolutely an interesting um, pick. And it only takes one team to decide, hey, we want Ben Joyce in our system. We want Ben Joyce. We're going to take him in round two. uh, And him end up being called on that first day. And then the most unique pitcher in the draft. And I've mentioned him once before. But there is a switch pitcher. Gerangelo Sintagi, I think is how you say that. I have no idea how to say that. Point is, switch pitcher. Goes to Champagnat Catholic School in Hialeah, Florida. Naturally throws lefty. Has better stuff from the right side. He went to the draft combine and played at a game and faced six hitters in the third inning, five strikeouts. They don't do these games like normal games. They'll roll over an inning if a pitcher struggles. If you get out of it pretty quickly, they'll give you some extra stuff. Um, he struck out three batters as a righty. Um, like, again, you face five or six batters no matter how many um, outs were recorded. So, uh, hits about 90, can hit 95, 96 from the right side. Um, 
through lefty, had one walk and two strikeouts, throws 89 to 92, has a breaking ball from both sides, about 2,600 RPM from the right, 2,400 from the left. So really interesting. He he um, did a bunch of drills. He switched pitched in 2016 in the Little League World Series. He was there for on, on behalf of Curacao. And he, he's, he's naturally, I think I mentioned this earlier, he's naturally a lefty. Started throwing righty at, at six years old because he wanted to emulate his father who played professionally. And then when he moved to Miami earlier, like I think right around high school or so, he was kind of just tossing the ball with his left hand and the coach was like, hey, you're pretty good at that. And so he started developing the left hand pitcher thing again. Um, he throws significantly harder than the last guy who did this, Pat Venditti, did. And he's committed to Mississippi State. A little bit smaller, 5'11", 170. He's somewhere between 6th to 10th um, round. I'm curious to see whether or not a team will take him high enough to get him out of the Mississippi State commitment or if he makes it to college. And there's some, there's some questions here. He has to warm up from both sides. So if you switch him from one side to the other, he needs warm-up pitches which the way the game the rules are currently constructed he does not get during the game so you have to warm him up between innings he does require warm ups from both sides um he can't throw it's a physical stamina thing more so than just the arm so he can't go out and throw 80 pitches for as a lefty and then flip around and throw 80 more as a righty it is a physical stamina thing he has the standard inning limit uh, pitch limitations of any other pitcher because it's not so much the wear on the arm, as it is the physical exertion. So, uh, if you make him a reliever, you kind of um, you kind of take away some of the the benefit of having the switch thing. So he needs some more time to develop the secondaries a little better. I genuinely think that you want him to be a starter. I think where he's positioned in the draft, he's probably going to make it to college. But again, it only takes one team to decide. We want this kid. We're going to pay him the extra to do it. Stay tuned. A lot of great stuff coming up this week. Again, mailbag on Monday. If you have questions, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm, or you can email us LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. If you're on YouTube, leave the questions in the comments below. Great show coming tomorrow. I put out the call on Twitter now that uh, Bobby Witt, O'Neill Cruz, and Vinny Pascantino are all in the big leagues. I said, hey, who should be our new favorite prospect? And you guys delivered. We're going to go through all your nominations, give some scouting reports, and pick the new favorite prospect of the pod, and then we'll invite them on. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But until then, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. Uh-huh.